beautiful blending of those two beloved hymns. No other help I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah asks us a very important question about that great hope, that one and only hope. He asks, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. May we rejoice and live into this great assurance and promise. May that energy be ours as we come before the living God to give him our great gratitude and thanks and praise as we sing our praises today and remember that great is God's faithfulness. We continue in uh, John's Gospel today. And on this Epiphany Sunday, we hear some words that are very appropriate for this day. Listen to the story, the, the encounter that uh, Jesus has with Martha. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 27. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair, and her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Technically, in the Greek, it says it's not terminal. But rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister, And Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews are just now trying to stone you, and you're going to go there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of the world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, well, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, his physical death, his biological death. But they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Lazarus, Thomas is saying, because he's going to get himself killed. When When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb 
four days. Not good news in Jewish thinking. The spirit lingered to the third day. By the fourth day, no hope. That's why it was four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am. Ego, Amy, I am that I am the resurrection and the life, the source of life, not just biological life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That is forever. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God give us a resurrection spirit as we attend to this, his word. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, our Father, our Savior, our advocate and helper, we pray that your good news would come now and find us, not only in word, but in power, in your Holy Spirit and with the full assurance that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, for you are our rock and you are our redeemer. And so all these things we pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. I said it's, it's today's epiphany in the church year. Epiphany is simply a word that means manifestation. It means that God showed up. And on this particular day, we commemorate that Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to present him for dedication on the eighth day. He was there as the Messiah, but not everyone's eyes saw him that way. Not everyone experienced the manifestation that way, but Anna and Simeon did. Anna and Simeon saw this is the Messiah. The point of this scripture today, the point of that epiphany lesson, is that God shows up on God's terms and not on ours. And we get to praise him that he does show up and does exactly what is needed in our lives when it is needed. That's what we need to look at today as we prepare to come to the table you see, we're dealing with a passage that reflects our inability with how to deal with death. We don't know how to do that very well, as much as we might think we do, as much as the gospel shows us how to. A lot of times, we don't know how to deal with death, physical death, emotional death, 
I want to suggest to you that this is because we do not really know as well as we need to. We do not know as well as we need to the one who gives life. And as I said when I read the scripture, not just biological, physiological life, because that's not what Jesus is talking about. That is the life that really is life. The life that is the source of life. The life that goes on forever. The life that is one with the Father. We do not know the Lord of all time and space the way we need to. We do not know the one who defines what it really means to be alive well enough because we're way too focused on the everyday, the temporal kinds of things. But it's as we're willing to confront this word that calls us to look over the edge that we begin to see why we don't know how to deal with death on so many levels. It's as we look at what's happened here with Martha and Jesus in relationship to the loss of Lazarus' life that we begin to look over the edge, and we all know what that's like, and I know if if you're anything like me, the older I get, the less I want to look over that edge because it gives me the creeps. I can't even watch videos anymore without having my hands sweat. But the reality is that God calls us to look over that edge because that edge is not what threatens us. What threatens us is our unawareness of the one who holds us, no matter how far the fall may seem. We don't know how to deal with death on so many levels, not just physical death. Jesus orchestrated this encounter. You notice he's asked to show up. He gets the email from Mary and Martha. You've you got to get here. Lazarus, you love him. He's sick. You've got to get here. Jesus waits two more days. He's been been down two days. He waits. He orchestrates this because he's the ultimate teacher. And he does this to show us who he really is and what his presence really means as the God of the universe. He could have just gone and showed up and said, hey, Lazarus, it's okay. Get up. But he didn't do that. He waited, as I said, the four days to where people said, no, there's no hope now. We know physically he's deteriorated. There's nothing left. Now, the two most essential components of the gospel message are found in this encounter. The incarnation that we've just celebrated, that God became flesh and moved into our neighborhood, and the resurrection. And in both of those, what does God do? God makes himself known. Whoa. Go out some night, any night, and look up in our sky. The God who created that vast cosmos makes himself known by coming in person and then dying and then rising again. This is what makes the personal nature of God in Christ so different from any other faith claim. Nowhere else does God come and move into the neighborhood and in the fullness of God make himself known and available. God actually came in person. Why? To find you and me. He knew our greatest enemy is death because in death, whatever form it may take, physical, spiritual, emotional, we no longer have relationship 
with God or anyone else, and we know it. Death scares, this is a technical term, the bejeebers out of us. Because we know in our heart of hearts, that could be it. We could be completely separated from anything and anyone that would ever give us hope. And God came in person because he knew that. He met that need in coming to us in person and in coming and offering us to himself. Jesus bridges that chasm and defeats our deepest fear while filling our deepest need because only he can. He is not kind of like God. He is not just the son of God, as if that isn't enough. He is the God of gods, Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. He's the one who created life. John began this whole gospel we've been going through by saying, all things were created through him and without him. Not one thing that has come into being was created. In him was life. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, the source of life. And yet, knowing all that, hearing that great assurance and that promise, face to face, in the flesh, there is a part of us that very much relates to dear Martha that says, yeah, okay, but what about now? What about now? What about the loss I'm experiencing, the fear I have, the sorrow I've got, the things that I'm really, really worked up about? What are you going to do about that right now, today, on Sunday morning, the first Sunday of this year? And it is to this deepest need that Jesus addresses himself in this event because he knows that that's who we are. He knows that that's the way we live. Martha brought this need to Jesus. Martha, if you don't know her very well, Martha was the doer. She was the one who got things going and made things happen. We need doers. And Martha was a doer to the point that that she was the one who was audacious enough to say to Jesus, you know what? If you had been here, it wasn't like, oh, my dear Lord, if you had perhaps been here. No! She was letting him have it. The God of the universe. If you'd been here, this would not have happened. We can relate to that. She was a doer to a fault. She presumed like we all do that we know what needs to happen and when it needs to happen and we know when something's gone wrong and we define it and we say, this isn't it. Martha was good at this. She had perfected it. It was an art form. She knew how things were supposed to be. Mary, you're supposed to be out here helping me in the kitchen. Don't just sit there listening to Jesus. Get in here. We got matzo to make. (laughs) Tend to the lamb. See, we all need a Martha in our lives. We all need someone who's willing to say, you know what, this wasn't supposed to happen. We need that person who will say what we are feeling and that says we need to know the answer, but we can't just let ourselves ask. 
But let me, let me stop and ask, how well did Martha know God who had come to find her in Jesus? And then I have to ask myself, how well do I know the God who has come looking for me to meddle in my life, to shake things up, to say, wait, there's more to this than you think. Martha, Jesus reminded Martha, she said, your brother will rise again. He told her what she really needed to hear, but, but like us, as much as she believed in the life to come, she was a good Pharisaic Jew, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, she wanted to know, but what about now, Jesus? Lazarus, and you can fill in whatever name you want. Lazarus is gone. My loved one is gone. My dream is gone. What do I do for my daily needs? He was my everything. What about now, Jesus? My heart is broken. I'm scared to death. What do I do now? And in this, our beloved Martha speaks for us all. Oh, we may not ever come right out and say that, but we say it with our actions. We drink too much. We spend too much. We eat too much. We worry too much. We don't forgive enough. The truth comes out in her lament. She can't see hope in any other way because she has not let herself come to know hope as it confronts her in the midst of her greatest loss and fear. We don't recognize Jesus coming to say in, the, in our worst moments, that's why I'm here. Like us all. We get trapped into thinking that the pains of this life and all the losses that we experience cannot be redeemed here and now or even forever. And we wear our sorrow so deeply. You know why? Not that sorrow isn't real and not that sorrow is inappropriate. We, we need to sorrow. We need to grieve. But we we don't know what we really need to know because we don't risk getting to know the one who stands facing us as hope itself in the moment. And this is why Jesus' words to her are the most important words God could speak to any of us. In person, Jesus the God of the universe looks straight into Martha's heart and he says, I am the resurrection and the life, the source of life. I'm exactly what you need. I am that I am. I know what is missing and it is more than you know, Martha. It's more than you know. Oh, I know, you think it's Lazarus and all the accompanying things that would go with having Lazarus no longer in your life. But it's more than that. I am what you need. I am who you need, he says. Know me, Martha. Know me, Bruce. Know me, church. 
because it is as you know me, all of those things will be healed and swallowed up in my love and power. And you will know what it is that I have and I am for you. Now, Jesus Christ is not physically here with us anymore, but his, phys- his Holy Spirit is. And he's saying to us these very words, I am the resurrection and the life. At the center of this passage is a puzzle that comes about because Martha needed to know Jesus better, and so do I, and so do all of us. If she would have known what to do with what about now, and because Jesus showed up when he did, as he did, she did know what to do with what about now. And it wasn't just that Lazarus came back to life. We could all go, oh, well, she got the happily ever after story. Of course she's, she's okay. No, that's not why. We all have, but what about now times? I know many of you very personally. We all have, but what about now times? They are those tensions that try to keep us from knowing God, but God invites us through those what about now times to know him even more. We want to know more about what about now than we want to know God. That's our problem. I want my solution now. I don't want to know the cosmic nature. I don't need to know the cosmic nature. I just want, I want you to fix this. But here's the good news of the gospel. Who Jesus is and what he has done is not just about someday. It's not just about someday. It's right now. Our hope is right now. It's not wishing things could be put back together as they were like Groundhog Day because if you've seen the movie, nothing ever changes. It's just the same thing. Carl Delaney has often said, you could do your life over again. It wouldn't be better. It'd just be different. And it wouldn't really even be different. What happened that day was not about physiology. She's going, hey, just put the corpuscles and all that stuff back together. I know that if you ask the Father, he'll do that and everything will go back to the way it was. Let's face it, Lazarus was going to die again. If anybody got a raw deal that day, it was Lazarus. <laughs> what? I gotta go, do- all right, for your glory. <laughs> I just got, I, I, I can't wait to talk to them about that. <laughs> but now, now, because of who Jesus is, for Lazarus and Mary and Martha and hopefully for all those around. It's a different day because they know that death now, as they had been defining it, no longer has any power. Bring it on. Bring it on. No, not that we embrace sorrow like, oh, goody. But rather, I know how to, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, All fear is gone because I know who holds the future. My life is worth the living just because he lives. Jesus wasn't doing with Lazarus what he was going to do, not do with himself. He was saying, I'll show you what life really is. I'll face this. Death had no longer any power for those darkest times because of the hope that comes from who Jesus Christ and the resurrection is now, today. It's in knowing 
God this way, that all the other details that we thought had to be part of what it takes to make life right just fall away. But it comes from knowing God. When Jesus says to you and to me, very personally, I am the resurrection and the life, he's speaking into all the circumstances that we, can th- that we think have to be made right before we say, okay, life's good. All right, here's my checklist. Got all these punched off. All right. He's saying, you don't need that list. You need me. Getting to know Jesus as the God of all time and space and knowing that he is in control lifts us out of our broken way of thinking about life. It takes us beyond saying, if you had just been here. It takes us beyond saying, but now you are, so just reverse it, put it back. You see, as we get to know Jesus as the living God, the God of all time and space, the God who is life itself, we begin to realize more and more and more that you know what? Jesus is here right now. He was here before our Lazarus moment ever happened. And it is in this we begin to realize that the answer to the question of, but what about now, is really, what about Jesus? I don't mean to minimize the the deep, deep sorrow that all of us have experienced in some way or another. But it's as we're saying, what is Jesus going to do with this? That we begin to see the hope that is ours. What about the one who holds every second of our lives and who came to give himself and to make a place in our hearts so that we know now and forever that everything is already more than okay? It really is. It's as we know him, not about him, but know him, that that begins to be more and more and more real. Because it is as we let ourselves enter this space of knowing the one who knows us and loves us best that the entire look at these fleeting days is changed. Jesus knew Lazarus would die both times. He knew that he himself was going to die. He knew that that his mission was to come and die. And he knew that every one of us would and will face death, that of loved ones, our own death, death of dreams, and of thinking maybe we can find a way through this life or out of it without having to face any of those sorrows, looking for loopholes. There aren't any. And Jesus came to Bethany as sure as he has come into this place right here this morning and into each of our lives to ask us about our what about nows. You see, Jesus wants our what-about-nows. He wants them from us because only as we give Jesus our deepest sorrows and fears and disappointments and angers and tears that we will be able to experience his coming into our lives to make all things new. So he's ready for our anger. He's ready for that, that sense of meaningless. He's ready for the Martha in us to say, you know, you were, you were supposed to be here. Because it's as we tell him that, that he has room to work in us. Let me finish with this. I I have reflected on this passage hundreds 
of times. I have preached on this passage hundreds of, hundreds of times. In the nearly 34 years that I've been a pastor, I have preached on this infinitely more times virtually than, than anything else because I have never conducted a funeral without calling attention to this amazing act of love from God. And the most intimate part of this love is not that he brought Lazarus physically back, but that Jesus knows us and invites us to know him and really know him with all of our what about nows to be gathered up in his I am. I am everything. I'm the God of the universe. I have you. I have what's going on. With his very personal question, you notice what he said to Martha? After he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you remember what he asked her? Do you believe this? Do you have faith that I can do anything and everything that really needs to happen in your life? Do you believe that I am all that you really need? Do you believe that I am the one who can fill in all the things you think are missing and aren't right? My friends, Jesus is here, right here. And he's asking us this, do you believe this? Because he wants us to be able to say, yes, I do. I do believe. I believe you are the one who can empower me to see you in every moment of my life. My sorrows, my, my heartbreaks. I can see you as the Lord of my life who is more than all the things I could ever dream of as the one who overcomes death physically and more significantly, spiritually. My friends, as we begin a new year, may we each and all of us give our what about nows to Jesus. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know he knows those what about nows and that he can and will show you that his love is more than enough to deal with them at this table. Every single day of our lives, may we let him show us what about now. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord our God, thank you that you were willing to enter into our deepest sorrow and let it be your own. And that you filled us up with an assurance that is greater than all the darkness this world could ever try to put upon us. Open our hearts and our minds, our lives to this amazing, incredible gift as you draw us to your table. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, come sweetly in the power of your Holy Spirit and take us to Bethany in that place in our hearts where we need to be encountered by you, telling us that for everything we've ever experienced or will experience, that you are the resurrection and the life. And because you do that, Lord Jesus, because we've been at this table, because we've received that gift of new life, may we impart it as your agents and your reflections of your grace in the world for your glory.
every single day. Amen. Now stand and receive Jesus' greatest benediction. Remember, we go nowhere by accident. Where we go, God is sending us. Where we are, our Lord has a purpose in our being there. Because Jesus Christ indwells us, he has something he wants to do through us where we are. May we believe it. And therefore go joyfully in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the communion and the fellowship and the equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way. Amen.